Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great week and great show of Domain Masters. I'm Monty Khan, your host. Uh, we have a couple really kick-ass guests tonight. Uh, Adam Strong, who's been a longtime customer of ours and uh, a domainer since 2000, 2001. I always like having uh, people like me on the show who uh, started investing in domain names some time ago and have learned the tricks of the trade and have been successful monetizing. And uh, also, Adam has uh, a lot of experience on the Internet and, and uh, definitely has uh, some opinions about what's going on from uh, the ICANN side of things as well and be nice to, to get his opinion on everything. Um, my second guest tonight is the president of Net Billing. Um, Net Billing is one of the largest uh, merchant processors uh, on the Internet. They take care of both the, uh, the adult and the mainstream world, and uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Mitch um, from Net Billing and, uh, at about 7.30 or so. Um, had a great week in domain sales, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, on DN Forum. I mean, dnjournal.com, you'll uh, see a, a pretty active week for, uh, for Moniker and our escrow service and our domain sales and brokering service uh, uh, led off with a $700,000 domain sale, so it was pretty cool. And um, we have a pretty exciting week going on right now as well, so the market's definitely heating up. Stay tuned. We're going to break away for a couple commercials. Be back on with Adam Strong. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, text linkads.com. It's SE Gurus. Rainmaker. Hey, Yankee, yes. And his beautiful co-host, Brandy. Yankee and a southerner. I do that lovely southern drawl. I don't, I don't have the Texan accent. I'm sorry, but... No, I don't, I don't think I do either, but I love that honey drip sort of sound. Anyway, <laughs> someone's probably going to pull that blurb out and use it for a promo now. Thanks. Uh, Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Commercials off. Now back to... Domain Masters. Hello, welcome back to the show. It's uh, Monty Khan. Uh, my first guest is Adam Strong. Adam's been a domainer since uh, 2000, 2001, and I understand we also have something else in common I just discovered after reading uh, some of his uh, little bio here. Adam, you online? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, uh, I didn't know you were in the medical business a little bit here. Medical business? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah? 
You sold, uh, uh, you sold some medical equipment? You know what? I, I don't know much about it, but, yeah, uh, I have sold some medical equipment before. Yeah, I was in, uh, I was in healthcare for 15 years and sold uh, major medical systems to hospitals and uh, physician offices and all kinds of stuff for many years before I got into the silly uh, domain game. Yeah, see, I was the guy that came in after you and bought all the stuff uh, from the hospitals and the uh, state agencies and then turned around and flipped it to somebody oh. else. Cool beans, cool yeah. beans. So uh, thanks for uh, being on the show tonight. And I know, uh, of course, you and I have talked lots of times. You've, uh, you've been a longtime Moniker customer. But uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background on um, how you got involved. Well, give us a little background on yourself and then, you know, how you got involved in domain names. Okay. Um, well, I'm, a web development is where I really came into, into contact with domain names, I guess. Um, I, my background is uh, design, graphic design, and uh, in about... I graduated in 94 from college and started uh, working for a small ad agency and uh, doing print design and web design. But uh, I guess it was about 97 when I started, like, kind of got my first introduction to the domain names. Um, I started working for a guy who owned uh, BritishVirginIslands.com. Oh, who, who is that? Uh, it's a small advertising company in the British Virgin Islands, actually. You would uh, think that the island itself would have had the .com, but I think they had some crazy, you know, BVI-government, you know, .co.uk or something like that. But uh, the uh, British Virgin Islands .com domain, um, the company that I worked for was really, um, their, their primary purpose was actually helping um, some of the smaller hotels, the tour operators, the uh, charter boat companies that worked out of there. Um, we would build their websites, we would design their brochures, but we used BritishVirginIslands.com as the gateway to pick up those customers. And then in turn, we actually would advertise you know, those customers. We built a directory of all the hotels, all the charter groups, and uh, you know, use that domain name as the central you know, hub for the island. I mean, what other name could you know, they possibly use, really? So, but right. um, I guess that was my first kind of taste of... Domain names, um, when I worked there, we would get calls like all the time. I think, I can't remember the guy's name. I think his name is Christopher Black, but he, um, he owned like almost every other Caribbean island domain name.com. And uh, he would call us all the time, you know, you know, trying to hustle my boss out of, you know, out of the domain to sell it. You know, five-figure offers were, you know, always on the plate. And, uh, you know, the, my boss just, uh, he never buckled and just decided that, you know, was well worth it for him to keep it, and I think right now he's, he kind of considers it his uh, retirement fund. So, but uh, that was my first taste of domains, I guess. But um, I came back here and uh, back to Springfield. Um, I live in Springfield, Illinois, and oh, uh, I started doing um, design on my own. I, I quit my job down in the Virgin Islands. You know, it seems like kind of a pretty stupid thing to do, but um, I was more comfortable living back in uh, Springfield, where I'm from. So I just moved back here and uh, started doing graphic design again, and mostly web design and. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, friends of mine worked for different companies and had, you know, caught on to the domain name game and, and bought and sold domains, you know, when people were, when there was a craze, I guess, about 2000, 2001. And uh, so I uh, had bought some and sold some and kind of used my creativity, at least at the time, I thought it was my creativity to, you know, come up with, you know, what I thought were uh, great, you know, ideas or great names. And my whole intention was, of course, if I didn't sell the domains, was to build these into uh, you know websites, but of course that really never happened either. So, but um, well, how how's how's the how's the graphic design and web design business been for you just recently? You know, I I'm out of that actually. Um, the uh, I would say around that time period is uh, 
you know, when I when you started to see the uh, you know the bubble bust, I guess. Um, actually, no, it was it was after the domain, you know, the hype of the domain name season. You know, it's really hard in this. I, I've been talking to a lot of people since um, since actually you had invited me on this, and I'm I'm trying to put dates together. And to me, the last four years has just been a huge blur. Right. Um, you know, from from the time that I moved back from the Virgin Islands till now, uh, I moved back in '97, '98. It's just a huge blur for me. Um, a lot of things have happened in my life, but the main thing is that you know I, I make a primary living off of domain names now rather than web design. So um, you know the web design business is you know I still kind of dabble in, in web design on my own, and I, you know I like to think that I you know have some skills in that, but um, you know it's it's not definitely not my primary uh, uh, money maker right now. You know I, I do work on occasion for clients that. I've worked with uh, you know since that time in '98, but uh, I really it's kind of fizzled. Right, and a lot right. of it has to do with you know outsourcing. Um, you know who who isn't a web designer right now? You know, so well I'm not. <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, sure you. But can no, I know, I know what you mean. Throw it's a like in about five minutes time, and you know the the competition is is too. There's too much competition in the in the field. There's um, you know lower margins. You know, I got in, you know, early on and, and, and made some good money doing it and uh, worked for some companies, made good money doing it. But, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, weaning myself away from it, and not on purpose, uh, just that I saw the domain channel as a, a more profitable one and, you know, invested a lot of time in it, you know. But okay, so so let's let's go into the domain channel a little bit because sure. uh, that is where you're making your living. And uh, you know, talk to us about you know what what you got started doing back in the early days and what you're focusing in on now and what what your what your general experience is, uh, is you know the general uh, experience yeah. that you're seeing. Well, in the early days, I you know I concentrated you know on stupid things. You know, I bought um, one of the domains I bought was onskis.com, and I developed like a, a, a portal there. And you know, I, I did a little bit of development here and there. Because there was really no way to monetize domains. Um, I bought names. I, hey, I you did work with GoTo back in the uh, well, yeah, early, early on. That you know, you, you had GoTo.com uh, boxes that you could put search boxes that you could put on your site. But you know, pennies. Um, you know, actually, it was five cents a search. Um, but somebody actually had to initiate the search. And you know, if you, all you had was a big yellow box on on one page, you know, it's not really enticing. But um, so you know, we had a lot of targeted traffic going to a page that had. Uh, just a search box, you know. You know, if somebody's looking for a specific product and there's just a search box there, and not maybe links or descriptions or whatever, you know, there's less of a conversion rate. At least that's what I saw. But so I would develop a little bit. But um, I think it was around 2001 when I started hanging around uh, after Nick and uh, great domains and in the chat rooms and, and meeting people and and learning about drops that I started, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, maybe I could get some better names and instead of registering new names. I could pick up some of the names that had been discarded, either names that were um, former sites or names that I thought, you know, sounded pretty good. You know, again, I was still in that sounds pretty good uh, mode of thinking. But I, I think at the time, some of my sounds pretty good names were, were, were pretty decent buys because I still have some of those. So, um, But I would, I, you know, I hung out on those boards and learned from some of the people that were there that, you know, were willing to share information and, you know, team up and, and, and you know, work towards the goal of, you know, buying more domains. And uh, yeah, at the time, I think it was just, you know, I was looking at, well, I'm just going to resell all these, you know. Every every domain I have, I'm just going to put it on Afternick, and somebody's going to buy it. But, you know, the reality is, is that you know, there's an endless supply and not not as much of a demand. So Right. Um, right. And then, uh, you know, it was, I think it was about 2000, end of 2001, maybe 2002, the monetization angle became more, 
prevalent. You know, instead of you know GoTo.com, people started you know you started to see the rise of you know ultimate searches pages coming out with you know full you know search engine basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's that's kind of when I think a lot of people started looking at you know uh, deals to be made with you know search engines. So and I, and that's when I started looking at traffic. And I think part of that part of the uh, the reason looking into traffic was you know being a part of Rick's board, meeting people at Afternick who were part of Rick's board, who then you know invited me over onto Rick's board, and then you know from there it just kind of spiraled uh, sort of out of control, I guess, in in terms of like you know, how much money I spend on domains now, but. Um, you know, I started picking up more and more names on drops and, and really working hard on the drop angle of things. So yeah, that was, that was 2002, and I'm still doing the drops every day. Uh, now, who do you primarily work with on on the drops? Which companies? Uh, you know, that that's, that's a question that I've I've heard from a lot of people. But um, the one question is is you can't, or the answer to that question is is you really can't not work with somebody. I mean, uh, you, you pretty much have to work with all the companies, but. Uh, Primarily, I mean, I I love working with Snap. I mean, Nelson uh, Brady is 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 a godsend over at Snap, and you know, I hope hope they're listening over there at Snap Names and, and give Nelson a big pat on the back for his job. But um, I really appreciate uh, Snap Names, and and I think their system is is the best system out there. But uh, I work with Enom Pool, um, you know, all the all the people that chase drops. I mean, right, right. You guys have caught drops through you know various companies, and I end up with names through you guys. So. But uh, you know, I think you just—if you're going to go for a name, if you really want it bad enough, you got to—you can't just put all your eggs in one basket and hope that Enom gets it or GoDaddy or whoever. You know, you have to—you have to really work all the all the angles. So, and I think you know, I think most people at, at this stage know that you know, they, they can't just you know pick one, pick Snap names, and hope that they get it. But yep. So, so what would you say your most valuable domain name is? And um, you know, if you could share with us what what you what, what it's doing. You know how, how much of domains it earning um, and why? Yeah, I have a lot of domains that I have uh, concepts behind. I guess in terms of uh, you know uh, my next phase, I guess is is taking taking the domains and, and developing them um, into into properties. I mean, some of my names are perfect for that, and and that's why I bought the names, but some aren't. So value to me is probably different than to most people, but. Um, I think spamblocker.com is is probably one of my most valuable names right now that I own. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I know that you've seen it. It's probably on your it's on your page. I think you're brokering it for me. So. Yep. Um, but you know, it's probably one of the names that I'm, if I got a great offer, I would sell it for sure. But uh, I think in the in the short term, um, I'm looking into developing it and uh, and you know, putting a product on that site. But again, I think there's some uh, I'm, I'm baby stepping into that, um, like I do with most of the things I try to get into. But um, now, as a I've web got, designer, though, so so you own a lot of domain names. You're, you're now are you making your money um, like primarily from PPC pages uh, currently. Yeah, I would say about eighty percent, ninety percent. I do have some other deals worked out with um, some of my names uh, that I get uh, uh, CPA or uh, paper lead you know, type deals and or rev share. Um, one of them is getoutofdebt.com. I've partnered up with a company that does uh, debt consolidation, and uh, it's based their payment program is based on a, a pay per lead, and then there's also a residual rev share built into that as well. So, in the in most domains, from my experience, if you could find a good partner to work with and uh, a trusted partner company that can fulfill leads and things like that, most domains make 
considerably more money on a, a paper lead type of basis than they would on a pay-per-click. But again, it just depends on the traffic and the type of name you have. But, um, you know, I'd love to get more names like that. Um, get out of debt is, is a, you know, I look at it and I'm like, man, that's a four-word four name. You know, and most people think, you know, oh, you know, the one-word names are the great names. But that, that domain is great for me in terms of revenue compared to some of my other names. I would think that, you know, they're one-worders, but who cares if they don't convert into anything. Right. Now, I mean, most people would think, though, from your from your uh, web design background, that uh, you definitely want to have a two-pronged approach, uh, like we heard so many times at the traffic conference, that, you know, building some websites out, making money from that, you know, building your putting your concepts and your dreams into actions you know, on right. one side, and then monetizing the names that you haven't got to yet through PPC or using some kind of combination of that. So right. I at assume point, that's in your plan. Yeah, that, that's kind of like has, has always been in the back of my mind, like, uh, I'll buy names, I won't buy names necessarily necessarily on the drops that are with, you know, with a plan in mind. I, I look at it um, as a business, you know, decision, you know, this name I believe can make X amount of dollars on PPC, and I'll pay more if I think I could develop it. Um, if it's just a name that I think that it'll do well on PPC, but I, I don't have a chance of developing it, I'll probably just bid with that, you know, just PPC in mind. But um, so now I'm giving everybody my bidding, bidding technique. But um, there's, uh, you know, there's names that I've bought on the aftermarket, if you will, where, you know, I've got a specific agenda in mind. I know the name will make money on PPC, but, yeah, I, I probably have more than my fair share of names looking at my portfolio that, that I kind of need to get off my butt and start developing. So, yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, for anybody that's listening, you could send your resumes to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for some good, uh, some, some good programmers, so if you're interested in, uh, in doing some uh, development work, send your, uh, send your resumes. What, uh, what 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 do you want yeah. the programmers? What what background do you want in terms um, of programming? You know what? I'm I'm just looking for somebody that's that's creative and and uh, and has an open mind uh, to, to can, that can take ideas and execute. Um, I, I'm not really I don't see myself as much of a uh, executor in terms of ideas as as much as I am capable of coming up with ideas and, and concepts. Um, I can do great at the design end of things, but that's it. So I could put a shell on. Somebody, I need somebody that has the experience that can uh, take ideas and run with them and, and compare what's being done in the market right now and, and, and make it better. So it's kind of vague, but you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll find the person and I'll know who they are once, once I talk to them. Right, right. And so, um, you know, what are some of the things that you would, from your experience now, so you have experience, um, it sounds like going back to 1997 with domain names, really, um, but um, owning, starting to own names yourself, what are some of the best experiences that you can share with fellow domainers that are listening and uh, on the chat about, you know, number one, acquiring good names for the for the right price and and some of the things to look for, and two, then monetizing them so that they um, they fulfill the dream of uh, of of returning a positive re- you know return on investment to your bottom line. Well, you know, I think everybody's case is going to be a little bit different, but um, I, I guess I'll give you one example. I, I picked up a domain on on eBay. Um, it was TravelTalk.com. That's a good um, name. Yeah, what, what, and, what did you pay for that name? Uh, fifteen hundred bucks. Okay, steel, I think. But, yeah, um, I think so. I, and I'm pretty sure it's fifteen hundred bucks. I don't, don't quote me on that. But um, the domain was actually owned by somebody that was our competitor when I worked at BritishVirginIslands.com. So it kind of comes full circle. And uh, so I basically bought out the competitor. You know, like six years later. And uh, the guy, you know, you know, there's traffic built into the name. It's got a good ring to it, and and I think it could be redeveloped and made ten times better than the site that he had up there. 
So um, it makes great money on PPC. It's probably one of my, I don't know, probably top 15 names, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think the money, I, I think at this point in time, you, you, if you're getting into the game, if you're just getting into the game, um, there's a lot more competition. Um, so I think, you know, you, if you're coming to the, to the domain angle with just the idea that you're going to make money on PPC, um, you're going to have a long, long time to uh, make that money back. Um, but if you've got the idea that you could buy it, make a little money now, and and have time to develop that domain name, um, you know that's that's a pretty good plan, I, I, in my opinion. Um, so if you buy, you know, you spend sixty thousand dollars on a name, it's not going to obviously make that money back right away on PPC. I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I'd like to use Brian Knoll as an example. You know, the guy buys a great domain name, and he's developing a business model around it. So I think the domain game, if you will, the domain business channel, whatever it's called, um, you got to put a little bit more thought into it now than just what what I was doing in, you know, three, four years ago. Um, you know, buying domains just to buy them and, and put them on a PPC page um, is probably the short-term solution. You need to think, plan a little bit uh, of what your strategy is. You know, are you, are you going to build a company around a specific niche or, you know, a specific product or service? I think that's the best way to go about it. Now, I don't think I don't think there's room for somebody to come into the game without really deep pockets. Right, right. That's my, so, so you mentioned you mentioned you're picking up drop names every day. Yeah, um, it, but the, it's it's yeah. I'm picking up drop names every day, and there's more uh, risk in that. Um, and I, you know, I've, I'm capable of uh, absorbing some of the risk that you know somebody. If if I was back where we started. If the prices and, and, and the competition was as tough as it is now, you know, three or four years ago, I, I probably wouldn't have stuck with this. Um, you know, I, 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 think, I think now if you come in and, and, you, and you buy a drop, I mean, names yesterday or today actually a, a domain went for, you know, twenty-five dollars or $30,000. It's basically a typo. I mean, it had an uh, overture.com score of like 3000 I'm not sure who the buyer was, but... It went for twenty-five or thirty grand. I mean, I could take twenty-five or thirty grand and buy a heck of a lot better name with more. I mean, it's that I know that name's going to make money because it was credit card t- related typo. But um, you know, there's better things to spend your money on. But it just goes to show you that you know, the market um, average names on Snap names are going for you know the, the names I'm putting in are going fifteen hundred. You know, it's probably about an average price for a domain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people burn through money pretty quick just entering the game and trying to get in on that. Um, on the ground floor, you know, if you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars, you'll burn through it really quick at fifteen hundred dollars a name. So, but um, you know, I, I think you could you could buy one or two of those with a hundred thousand, you know, twenty five thousand dollar type names with a hundred thousand dollars if you've got a good model to back it up um, to develop something on those websites, not just park it at PPC. So. Right, right. And how many how many domain names do you have in your portfolio right now? Uh, it, it grows every day. Um, I think I'm around. Three or four thousand, I'd say, right now. Right, and um, and you know, you're selling. You know, you've sold some uh, also. I mean, you sell some names for the right price, but you're generally holding on to names at this point. Is that correct? Yeah, generally speaking, I mean, part of uh, you know, I hate to give you all my strategies, but 
Well, what, one one purpose of the show is to yeah. you know, without giving away total uh, you know um, you know ingredient secrets, but sure. we want obviously um, people learn uh, just like they do on Rick's board and other forums. We want people to to get a good idea so that they they learn how to be successful. And what it does is really benefits all of us in the industry. Sure. It's not more of a competitive play, but more that things that you can bring to light to other domainers actually help us all because uh, yeah, you know, and, and, it strengthens, you know, I, strengthens I, the I industry. You know, I agree with you. There's uh, there's and the fact of the matter really is, I think that the competition is so tough that you know, yeah, anything that I give away isn't really a secret anymore, and and uh, anything that a newbie could take take with it, you know, might not really even help them, but uh, maybe it will. But uh, my my strategy with buying domains has always been um, buy the, buy a domain that I, I have an idea behind, and if I'm not buying it for that reason. Um, it should make the money on PPC. You know, whatever I pay, it should make the money on PPC based on you know, you know, my my metrics or my portfolio that I know that this name is going to make that much money. Or the other the other strategy that I've bought names for cheap names, I buy because I'm I think that um, you know this name somebody might want to buy this domain. It sounds like a domain that a business would use. Right. So I'll, you know, I won't. So more, more of an intuition buy. Yeah, an intuition buy, and I and it goes back to the early days when I bought names with that. You know, hey, this name sounds cool. Type of mentality. Some of those names actually panned out. So I'm I'm not afraid to risk sixty, hundred bucks on on something that this name might pan out to be a two thousand dollar sale later on. And those are primarily the most of my sales that I make are like small figures like that, two five thousand dollar sales. You know, it's it's not peanuts when it all adds up at the end of the year. Well, if you but, if you look at it as a normal investment, like people right. should, you know, if it, right. it, you know, people don't look at domain names. Unfortunately, um, well, I mean, I guess it's fortunate and unfortunate. I mean, if you made a twenty percent return on any investment in a year, right. you'd be jumping down a static, you know. Right. Exactly. Uh, so that means if you bought a domain name for ten dollars and you turn around and sold it for twelve, that's your twenty percent. Right. No one would ever, you know, no one does that. But if you did that, you know, tons of names now, you know, but in a sense, lots of people are doing that. Some of the large, you know, domain aggregators are doing that. They're, they're buying domain names, um, you know, at between 7 and $10, and they're monetizing them. And as long as they get, you know, between 10 and $20 back, that's a successful investment, and uh, they, they have a reason to renew those domain names. So, you know, large companies uh, with large portfolios that are picking up domain names that are available um, in the open market, you know, in general registrations um, are are doing quite well doing that. I mean, right. Netster is a company buy. that's doing that successfully, and Vendari, uh, there's a, you know, new.net has 300,000 names as well. They're doing it successfully, I guess. And um, so, and then there's those that have premier portfolios that are, you know, looking at thousands of dollars in return on investment per domain name a year. Right, right. You know, like a company like uh, Vendari is, is doing it based on, you know, they're getting their information uh, in other ways, and, and they're able to... Uh, by names that they, they they know you know exactly how much traffic uh, relatively speaking how much traffic the names are going to get before there's no, there's hardly any risk to what they do in my opinion yeah and uh, um, you know companies like buy domains put a lot more risk into the into what they buy you know they they're buying inventory to sell um, you know they monetize some of the names but you know I'm talking about names. well they actually monetize all the names and then right, and then what they do not, is, is that they big, sell based off of a monetization um, calculation you know right. just like a whatever times revenue that is and that's right. they know the peel names out based off of that x times revenue factor and hold on at a certain price and never go below it because they're always making that money back right well some of the names you know there's names that I've I've inquired about that have zero traffic so they're not making any money on on some of the names and then the prices are still you know 1500 2000 dollars 
you know, I talked to a couple of the guys there, and, and you know, I, I would venture to guess that their average price of a domain is somewhere in the thousand range, maybe less. But you know, th- those are the type of deals I'm talking about. I'm not talking about spamblocker.com domains that have traffic built in that that are making money on PPC. I'm less likely to sell a domain like that. Extremely less likely to sell a domain like that, as opposed to. I mean, I can't even think. Actually, I sold one just the other day, forcegear.com. Actually, I sold it back to the people that dropped it because, it, you know, I felt kind of bad for them. But, um, you know, I didn't sell it back to him for an exorbitant amount of money because, uh, you know, after talking to the guy, I kind of felt bad for him. But um, Force Gear doesn't, it's not going to make me any money on PPC, but it just kind of sounded good. It had had some uh, information, you know, that I dug up on it in Google and things like that. But um, those are names that, you know, Buy Domains has a uh, great, huge inventory of names like that that aren't, you know, going to make them a ton of money. But but they're they're like lottery tickets. Is um, one of Rick Schwartz's example. You know, one day the, that name somebody may want it, and I'm willing to take that risk. So right. a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't even bother with that that angle. I guess so. Now, uh, before we uh, end up the show, um, what's the exit strategy for you? Um, you know, when when do you when do you bail out, or at what point do you bail out, or what point do you uh, you know, jump on the uh, on the bandwagon and go do something else, or is it something you're going to stay in and dabble in for quite a while? Uh, I, I'm probably going to keep. Uh, I'm, I'm moving more towards the development end again. Um, exit strategy, you know, heck, uh, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't have any exit strategy yet. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm more than willing to listen to anybody that's going to help me find that exit. But uh, I just think development is is my next step, and and uh, I've got some pretty decent names that that. Uh,
All right, uh, folks, stay tuned. Uh, my next guest, uh, Mitch Farber, uh, who is the president of Net Billing, will be on in a couple minutes. We're just going to do a quick commercial break. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty and well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRKConsulting.com, making sure your mother is all Always proud. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Domain Masters. I want to thank again Adam Strong for uh, being my first guest tonight, and uh, hopefully he was uh, a valuable guest for everyone that's listening and everybody that's on the board. Um, all, all the domainers that have their own personal experiences are, are good people to have on so that everybody learns from them. Uh, my next guest uh, also uh, has been requested, uh, basically because of the merchant processing business in general. Uh, there's lots of questions always from domainers and website developers about merchant processing and the differences between payment processing and all the different companies out there. But uh, Mitch Farber um, is the president of NetBilling, which is founded in 1998, and uh, NetBilling is used worldwide by thousands of online merchants. Um, and um, they have a complete gateway processing system and call center. Um, they do uh, payment processing for uh, both the mainstream and adult industry, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit about that segment of the business and find out what the payment processing and merchant business is all about. Mitch, are you online? I'm here. Hi, Monty. Hey, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Uh, where, where are we calling you from? Um, I'm in uh, Valencia, California, just north of Los Angeles. Oh, okay, great. Yep. Well, uh, thanks for being my guest tonight. Um, one yeah, of the uh, questions that always comes up, um, there's a, you know, once people get websites and they want to do business on the, on the web, um, you know, there's all these components that people uh, have to jump through, all the hoops, well, one of which is, of course, getting the website, getting it developed, getting a designer, then putting in a, you know, a shopping cart system, but it, it really ends with the merchant processing and the payment processing part. Sure. So uh, uh, yeah, there's a little uh, bit of there are idea several about components, get... and we uh, we started doing this in 1998 and realized that there were some gaps to be filled. So uh, we what we wanted to do was come about this from an angle from a mainstream angle and help people establish merchant accounts and be able to be able to facilitate their credit card needs as well as um, accepting online checks. So we we started doing that and then realized that you know as these merchants grew. Uh, they didn't want to have to handle their own customer service aspects as well, whether it be customer service or order taking or order verifications, things like that, for, you know, mainly for physical products, but sometimes for membership sites as well. And so we opened up a call center, um, which we have in our facility, and started doing that, handling all that for the merchants. Oh, that's nice. So, so you're one of the few merchant, merchant companies with a you know, customer service and call center facility. Yeah, there's only a couple of them that I know besides us that do it. And uh, we've been doing it for several years now and have really been able to have reps that uh, really know what it 
what it takes to process payments and facilitate the merchants in a call center environment to be able to keep members in their websites and to make sure uh, to help people with the products that they're shipping and that they're receiving their products properly and how to use some of the products that they receive and things like that. Right. So how did you start net billing or how was the company started? How did you get into the, into the Internet and into the business to begin with? Well, we, we owned our own websites and uh, it took a lot of time and effort to get a shopping card up, and uh, we have membership areas as well and uh, to establish a merchant account and things like that. And we just realized that there was really no one company out there that we could find at that time in 1998 that would really help us do everything in one place. And we had to, you know, make so many different calls and establish relationships at different places and, uh, you know, find a shopping cart that would work with, this, with the gateway system that we wanted to use and things like that. So we just started developing our own thing from scratch and, uh, you know, using some outside developers as well to help us build a really strong payment gateway and shopping cart system and um, internal mail system for our call center and things like that. And that's how, that's kind of, we developed it for our own stuff, found out that, you know, it's working great for everyone, started working on fraud tools to help reduce chargebacks and keep, you know, keep fraud away. And that's, that's how we got into it and started signing on merchants to, you know, to help them do the same thing. Now, now a lot of people, you know, use companies like, um, you know, VeriSign for payment processing, their PayFlow Pro product, and there's AuthorizeNet, um, you know, for their payment systems. Explain where net billing fits into the mix of all these different gateways and all the payment processors and, and the differences between the people that actually process the payment and the actual people that, um, that collect the money and pay out and all that stuff. Sure. Well, uh, you know, VeriSign and Authorize.net, both huge companies. They've been around. Authorize.net has been around for years. Um, they've, they basically do, you know, they're a payment gateway. They, they help merchants. Um, I don't know if they do merchant accounts at all, which we do do, uh, but they, uh, you know, they help merchants set up the payment process and they integrate with a shopping cart, and it's really on a very basic level. And I'm not, you know, that's great for some, some merchants, but there's a lot of merchants nowadays that need a lot more. They want advanced reporting and advanced fraud scrubbing, and they want a company that's going to provide 24-7 customer service and things like that. So we're, net billing has kind of come into this realm as we're not just going to provide the basic services, which is great for some people, but we have all these advanced tools that we've provided for people. And it's the same thing with VeriSign with PayFlow Pro. And they're both, they're both great products. They're both very simple products um, as far as uh, reporting and things like that. They just don't seem to facilitate uh, successful merchants in ways that a, a lot of these guys need to be helped these days. Right, and so um, um, now going on to for one of one of your key key advantages, I understand, is the fraud and the chargeback um, uh, prevention. Yeah, what, what we what do, is it that you what we found? do is we provide. Um, we have a lot of tools on the back end, uh, looking at credit card bins and things like that, and comparing credit card numbers and velocity controls, where we where we check, you know, how how many times people are trying from the same card and get how many, how many times they're declined or, you know, where they're coming from, where their IP address is as compared to uh, their credit card number that they're typing in or, or looking at their physical address versus their credit card number versus their IP address. And so what we did was we put uh, not only had those tools on the back end, but we've given those tools to the merchants on the front end through the NetBilling administration area to allow them to, uh, to vary some of those tools to fit their websites better because some guys... Um, depending on what they're selling, for instance, uh, a, a jewelry company who's selling uh, very high-end ticket items, they typically need stronger fraud scrubbing and stronger uh, comparisons to, uh, to what's going on, through where they're shipping throughout the world, as opposed to somebody who's selling coffee cups. 
Right. You know, a guy who's selling you know twenty thousand dollar or a hundred thousand dollar diamond rings probably isn't going to ship a product to Indonesia. Right, right. So, so um, you know, one of the things I do notice, like the, some of the larger companies we just spoke about, AuthorizeNet and, and VeriSign and some of the others, they have no way to, like, you can't go online and report uh, through your interface the bad credit card or if you're getting a fraud um, system, and they're not also sharing, you know, credit cards and fraudulent tra- transaction or activity with you back. So right. it sounds like that's something that you guys do there to help um, help your network out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because of Because of the the wide variety of merchants that we process for, we've, we've contained millions of bad credit card numbers over the years, not just credit card numbers that have been reported to us or given to us or that we've leased from outside companies, but within our own system, within our own merchants, where we log every transaction and all the events that take place with that transaction. And when a transaction is marked as fraud, we mark the, uh, the card number, the IP address, the, the physical address, and, and all the components with, that go along with that actual transaction and add that to what we call our global negative database that is shared between all of our merchants. And, again, a merchant has a choice. I don't know any merchants not using it, but a merchant can turn that on and off. And not only that, but they have, a merchant also has their own negative database within our system, which they subscribe to. So anything that they've added will also be used within that global area as well for other merchants to share. So, you know, since 1998, since we've been doing this for so long and have such wide variety of, you know, fraudulent orders trying, you know, coming in and chargebacks and things like that, we're able to continuously log those and our merchants benefit from being able to share that information. Right. So that must be one of your key advantages because, you know, there's a lot of uh, merchant processors and payment processors out there. I guess uh, um, you guys have been around for a long time. What do you think is your key, you know, top two or three reasons why it, you know, you, you're different than, than those that have come and gone in the industry? Well, I think that, I, I think that giving the merchants the flexibility to, you know, to go into this advanced reporting that we offer and to utilize the fraud tools that we have and give them, giving them a lot more control on the front end through the NetBelly administration interface, as well as how they submit transactions to us, whether it's using our payment forms that we provide on our secure servers or using tailored payment forms that they've integrated directly into their websites or shopping carts um, gives them the flexibility to really control their business and how, you know, how they process those transactions and control the data afterwards also into affiliate programs and things like that. Right, right. Well, that's, a, that's a definitely a good reason. And the types of companies you provide services for uh, on the Internet, is it uh, how wide range is there? Oh, God, there's... A- there's an airline company that we provide stuff for. There's a lot of photography sites, a lot of investment sites, a lot of uh, adult-type sites, um, a lot of different types of product sales and subscriptions, and it's just it's all over the place. I see stuff. I see people signing up, and I'm like, wow, like uh, ski lifts. We we process for a, a company that does, you know, it's a seasonal thing. We, right. All their lift tickets, things like that. Um, it's it's all over the place, and it keeps. I some of the things I see coming in, I'm like, wow, man, I didn't even think of that as a business. Crazy. Right. And so when somebody wants to get started and wants to consider, like, net billing, um, um, what, what does one need to consider? I mean, there's obviously – maybe you can go over some of the cost structure that always concerns people as well. So there – you know, people are concerned about the initial cost of setup, and then there's this transaction fee, and then there's the percentage on the sale and, right, and all right. that stuff. So lots of people get afraid about – if they're being taken advantage of, and everybody offers the lowest rates, and right. there's difference in credit card rates if you're Amex versus Visa versus other payment forms. Walk us through the basics, um, and then maybe some of the more advanced um, um, dynamics of how this business works, and, and then what you guys offer that uh, that makes you competitive. Okay, sure. Um, the, there's a couple of ways to look at it. There is what they call third-party processing, 
and that is uh, that's a company uh, that's a company and great companies like Cbill, Paycom, uh, Two Checkout, things like that that provide all the a lot of the services that we provide. And what happens is you're using their merchant account, and which is which is fine for people who are just starting out. Um, they don't have money to get a merchant account or don't want to invest in uh, setting up uh, setting up an LLC or a corporation or a DBA. Um, very low cost to set up. There's, you know, PayPal, of course. Um, yeah, right, right. The, you know, very basic PayPal account. Exactly, exactly. Same type of deal. You're using but their they, they, they charge 4%, though. It's expensive when you're receiving money. Yeah, exactly. They charge 4%. Um, PayPal is one of the lower cost ones. If you look at some of the other ones out there, um, they'll charge you 15%. Um, there's also, it seems like for shopping cart products, a few companies that are out there that are doing third-party stuff charge between 5 and 12% is what I've seen. And... That works. It's quick setup. Now, the way to go, the way that we do it is we'll take a merchant who wants to set up and we'll help. First thing we do is we, we work with uh, six or seven different banks domestically and several offshore. And we'll, we'll facilitate the merchant in setting up the actual merchant account. So let's just use an example if you're going to sell uh, pen, custom pens on the Internet. Uh, to set up a merchant account for product sales is typically $45. That's the bank app fee. Uh, if it's adult products, it's ninety nine dollars, and that will—that's all the money you need to put up front to establish the actual merchant account. So that's we not do the so paperwork. Bad. We submit it to the bank that's going to give you the best rate from the ones from the ones that we work with. And uh, uh, what happens is, after the merchant account, there's a couple of pages of paperwork, and typically for product sales, we'll get an approval within one or two business days. Once we receive the approval from the bank, what they provide us is a merchant ID and a terminal ID, and we take that merchant ID and terminal ID and plug that into our system. Once it's live in our system and tested, then the merchant can integrate with our system however they want. Now, if they're using, you know, we're using this example of uh, selling pens, they're going to set up a shopping cart. So once you have your website up, you can get your merchant account because you need to show the bank your website. Once you have your merchant account, you can set up your shopping cart. And whether you use our shopping cart, we have a free shopping cart that, we, that we've developed, and we do the hosting for um, it's very easy to add products, so you can have up to 10,000 products in there with images and descriptions and different shipping methods, and that's free as part of our services as well. Oh, very cool. That's a, that's a, unique, uh, that's a unique offering. Yeah, it's, and, it, and it's really simple to use. We designed it to be a very simple cart that somebody with no HTML experience can set up, and we've kept it simple where it doesn't do inventory management and affiliate management and all that kind of stuff because we, we wanted to keep it simple, and we know that there's great Third-party carts out there, such as OS Commerce, and uh, you know, there's all kinds. Monster Commerce is a great char- shopping cart as well. Monster Commerce, there's uh, Miva, um, several of those which work with net billing as well. A lot of them have net billing plugins that are free, and so people who want a more advanced cart can use one of those. OS Commerce is an open source cart; it's free as well, um, and you, in, you all you do is you tie that into your net billing account and process payments for your products. So once you have all that up and running, you're ready to go. And when you have your own merchant account, there's several advantages to that. Um, you have, besides having full control over uh, the fraud tools and the administration area and the look and feel of your website and things like that, uh, one of the, one of the uh, financial benefits is that with a domestic merchant account, uh, you know, U.S. merchant account, you're paid every day. So since our system automatically settles these transactions that you do once a day, um, 24 to 24 to 72 hours after the after today's transactions are settled, you start getting that money in your bank. And since we process, since we uh, settle batches, that's what they're called, is a batch of transactions. Since we settle batches every day, after that uh, 24 to 72 hour period, you're getting paid every day. If you're using a third party company, you're typically paid once a week, once every two weeks, or once a month. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, those, that's some of the advantages there. But the main advantage, uh, the main advantage why people use net billing as opposed to a third-party company is because of the control, the lower fees, and the flexibility. And flexibility kind of ties into the control thing, but it is, you know, separate as well. Right. So explain to everybody what the, what the like, the transaction fees are and how that's broken out. Like, why, why is it, I mean, we know because we do processing, but from, right. from you as a, pro, from a, from a merchant system, why is American Express more expensive than, than Visa? What makes rates go up and down um, within an account and how they fluctuate throughout the year? Um, you know, do you guys take a piece of the transaction or do you take, um, or is it just a one-time charge, or is it both? You know, how does it all work, and why? Okay, for for a merchant account, uh, the that's the bank charges those fees, and typically it depends on the products that you're selling, the uh, monthly volume that you have, um, what your average ticket is, and your credit history. When they set up your merchant account, they'll give you what's what's called a discount rate, and that discount rate, again, using you know pen sales for example, say you're doing. Uh, $10,000 a month, $10,000 a month in pen sales. And your average ticket's about $25 and you have good credit. We can usually set that account up for about two and a quarter percent and 20, 25 or 30 cents a transaction. Now that's what the bank is going to make off of your money. And that, when I say the bank, that includes Visa and MasterCard and American Express and those guys. Typically American Express and Discover, because they're not what they call bank cards, they, you apply for those separately, which we also set up. Uh, there's usually no application fees for that, and they do charge for American Express and Discover. They do charge a little bit more for those, but it's all facilitated through the same merchant account. Right. So you you will pay a little more for those transactions, but keep in mind that 90% of your transactions that you do on credit cards is going to be Visa and Mastercard. They're the king. Right. Uh, and you, and those you pay a little bit lower rates because because uh, American Express and Discover and more and Diners Club and things like that, because they're not as big, they wind up having to charge a little more. Right, right. Well, and also, you know, uh, uh, American Express typically doesn't make their money on uh, on financing, um, so they don't get their extra money through, uh, you know, uh, um, interest fees and other things that people are paying for. So, and uh, you know, people the have to pay their cards up front, you know. Yeah, that's exactly why the merchants pay a little more, because they don't make as much money um, off the cardholders they make more money off the merchants. Right, right. Um, you know, which is okay. It's not that so that's much what, that, more, but the, you're talking about high-ticket items. Like, you know, if we're talking about $100,000 ring, I certainly would rather see somebody uh, use a MasterCard for that than use an American Express card because 1% of 1000 bucks, you know, it, that stuff adds up. Right, right, definitely. 1000 bucks or whatever it's going to be. Um, but, you know, offering more, offering more payment methods is really, you know, it's to the merchant's benefit. And, again, since most of it's Visa and MasterCard anyway, that's where the majority of the transactions are going to come through. Another thing that we do is we process online checks for people. And that's a great way to process also. If you're talking about product sales, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't ship any products until the check actually clears. Even though the system is completely automated through net billing, uh, we have no way to actually check the funds in somebody's account. Um, what we can do is we compare it to our negative databases and we do some other, some other types of checking to make sure that 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 guy hasn't written bad checks through our system before or that the account exists, but there's no way to verify funds and to hold those funds in someone's checking account until the check actually clears. And typically, since it's all electronic now, that, you know, bad checks come back to us in, it's called ACH, but those come back to us now in typically two days. So you have your system, you have your system query our system to see when, if somebody pays by check, that the check has cleared, and then you go ahead and ship the product. If it's a membership-type site where it's, uh, 
you know, where you're just giving away some bandwidth, it's not such a big deal. People want instant access to membership-type sites, and if the check comes back bad, our system automatically disables their password, adds that checking information to our negative database, and stops the recurring billing. So it, that's all automated. But, again, for product sales, it's important not to ship products until the check actually clears. Right, right. Yeah. So th- those are the bank fees. Now, now does net billing make uh, money from those transactions, obviously? I mean, that's how... Or is there an additional fee for net billing on every transaction? Now, what we do is we charge. We have a twenty-five dollar a month gateway gateway fee that we charge every merchant. And on top of that, depending on your average ticket, we offer a couple different pricing plans. And what we typically do is for people that are char- that are, and it's the merchant's choice, of course. For people who their average ticket is under twenty dollars, we offer them one point five percent and fifteen cents tra- a transaction. Or if it's over twenty-five dollars, if it's over twenty dollars, uh, we charge forty-five cents flat rate. Oh, I see. Yeah, and because because uh, at twenty one point five percent and fifteen cents of twenty dollars is forty five cents. So, well, again, what, do you do, what do you do? If they they buy like in the case of domain names. If one domain name is eighteen ninety nine, but uh, hundred domain names is one hundred eighty dollars, it automatically just flips over to the transaction. Well, when we set up the account, we ask the merchant based on their average ticket how they want us to set their account up as far as the price point goes. And we do do volume discounts and uh, loyalty discounts and things like that. Right. And so those are, those are fees that are on top of the bank processing fees, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I understand. Now, um, just give us a quick, um, so, so steps on getting this all set up. What does one have to do to come to, to get this set up on their own website? So walk us through the steps of if, let's say, I just registered a domain name, I just got my web hosting package, what do I need to do from your site? Okay, if you're going to sell if you're going to sell products, the first thing you want to do is obviously have if, to get a merchant account. You got to have your website up and running. You got to have a terms and conditions uh, page up, letting people know that you're going to sell products, what you will do to refund people, how you're going to charge people, things like that. Do you help with that with templates and stuff? To help uh, yeah, people? we give examples for that. No problem. Okay, good. So once you have that up and you and you show uh, you show you're able to show the bank that you have an actual functioning website that you have a business register, whether it's uh, through a, just do a DBA, as they call it, doing business as, or an LLC or a corp, um, and your credit's okay, then you just all you do is you come to us. We'll give you a walkthrough of our system, show you everything. Once you're sold on that, then we'll send you, depending on what you're selling, we'll send you an application package through email of you know, whatever bank we're going to send you through. Um, you'll fill that out. You'll send it back to us, and then we submit it to the bank. While, the, while it's being submitted to the bank, um, then you can go ahead and We'll set up your net billing account for you. If you want our shopping cart, we'll set the shopping cart up for you, which really takes about 10 minutes to implement that. And then you start adding your products and descriptions to it as well as choosing uh, your shipping methods, uh, however you're going to do it in there. And then uh, we have in our system we have test card numbers. So even if you don't have your live merchant account yet, um, you can still test everything out and make sure that it's up and working and that it's accepting payments, and then you're ready to go. Oh, cool. So it's a pretty quick and painless process, sounds like. And, and you have 24-hour customer support, so you support it, – it's, it's supporting people from all over the various places of the countries and also, I guess, around the world. Absolutely. And, and what and we your can do is, is free? Um, as far as call center services go, um, you know, especially around the holidays, even guys with smaller websites don't want to have to handle their own customer service. And, again, this brings us back to uh, people disputing charges and wanting good customer service. From a customer standpoint, when they get their credit card bill – what they want is they want to be able to look at a company, look at a, look at a charge on their credit card statement, call the phone number if they're not sure what the charge is, and get immediate response. If, if, you're, not, if, if you're not able to provide good customer service, usually 24-hour customer service, then you can have net billing uh, do your customer service for you. And whether it's, 
um, just from from a simple standpoint, if we're just going to handle your customer inquiries for you, if you're not even doing phone orders and things like that, which we'll handle as well, let's say that let's say that you want somebody that you want our reps to be able to take calls 24/7 for you to answer basic questions about the website and and, and answer questions for people about charges on their credit card bill. What happens is when you get your merchant account, it'll have your company name and then net billing. We will issue you your own toll-free and non-toll-free number that is exclusive to your company and when the, when on their credit card bill, it will show our phone number. Oh, that's that's cool. That's cool. So, I mean, what, what do you charge for that? Is that a yeah? What we charge is um, we do it on a on an increased transaction basis, but we've been turning more to a per minute thing, and it's usually about depending on the volume, about eighty five cents a minute. Um, and we also do it on a flat call per call basis. So, there's a lot of different options there. So, we have a lot of options depending on what your needs are, because some guys just want us to do handle basic customer service and order inquiries for them. Sometimes we upsell products to people who are canceling, you know, a recurring product or, you know, if it's a, if it's a membership, we do cancellation upsells or, you know, we, there's everything. I mean, we, we really do everything in our call center. Our call center is amazing. And, and just so you know, it's not an outsourced call center in India. Um, we, everything's done right here, and we have great supervisors and great management in the call center as well. Right. What, what, what's the, uh, how many people do you have working at uh, NetBilling? We have uh, about 50 employees total. Okay, good. Good. Uh, and um, uh, one last question before we wind up the show, but um, there's, all, there's this philosophy uh, with a lot of companies on having multiple payment processors and merchant accounts going on at the same time. It sounds like that you kind of do that all within net billing, having different banks and different options going. Yeah. Um, explain the strategy. And I mean, obviously, it's in case one merchant goes down, then you have a backup. Absolutely. But, but um, occasionally, you know, obviously, it's the Internet. So connection problems do occur once in a while, and a lot of people... Um, a lot of people will have a secondary gateway or a secondary merchant account in place, even if, even if it's through our gateway, because we can stack multiple merchant accounts to be able to contact the bank network and get approvals. Now, on looking at it from a different perspective, and this is typically with uh, more high-risk, you know, adult accounts, what they do is they'll send transactions through one through one processor, and then if it's declined there, they'll cascade it to another processor and try to get it approved there, and that works. That works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. Um, but as from a redundancy standpoint, for most merchants, I do. You know, I I would like to think that we. I would love to believe that we could be up 100% of the time, and we are up 99% of the time. But sometimes there'll be a communication problem between us and the merchant, or the merchant and us, where it's something that's completely in between both of us, and for some reason they just can't reach us. Right. And if that's the case. It's good to have another. It's good to have a way to cascade to another processor for that reason, right? And, and do you do you recommend a partner processor that you cascade to when you're setting up a, cl- a client at your network when they ask that question? No, not really, because I don't think anyone's as good as us. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, right. there's you know, there's some great ones out there, and you know, we're happy to recommend depending on what people. Well, need. I was just wondering, like, if they if people are coming to you as your main payment processor and, and you're you're mapping out a strategy, it sounds like you just suggested that that's a good strategy to have in case the instant, you know, the the one percent of the time, which is you know, four days a year or something, that 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 um, or you know, adds up to four days a year if you really think it out at three hundred sixty five right. days a, um, you know, uh, three sixty five days sure. in a year, you know, four t- four days or four times a year, you're going to have that problem. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know that's likely that's likely to happen. It's tip, last year it was less, and I think this year it's been a little bit less as well. But around the holidays, when traffic starts going up, you never know what could happen. Right. right so right. Um, yeah, I mean you know since it's since people are setting us us up as a primary, and it's very very rare that they'll bounce anything to a secondary. They can really use any payment gateway that'll accept their business and that will accept the merchant type that they are. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. 
Yeah. Well, it was a real pleasure having you on, your sh- uh, on the show, and I know uh, Matthew Chipmunk's going to be seeing you out in L.A. at the at the Webmaster Access Gathering. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're doing a big poker tournament out there, too, so yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And, Texas uh, Hold'em, baby. Yeah, if uh, I know. It's crazy. If uh, I really appreciate you having me on, and if anybody's interested in learning more about our services or doing a demo of our system or answering any questions at all, you can email sales at netbilling.com. That goes to our sales department. My email is mitch at netbilling.com, and we're always... Very happy to help and answer answer all kinds of questions. Yeah, I'm going to post you up on the on the uh, on the board and let everybody know how to get a hold of you because it sounds like a great solution. You sound like uh, one of the easiest companies to work with, and uh, it's somebody we recommend as well. Oh, thank you very much, and have a great day. All right, Mitch, I really appreciate your time. Okay, thanks. Okay, take care. All right, folks, uh, uh, that was great for uh, Mitch Farber to be online and uh, tell us about the whole payment processing process. It sounds like that net billing has their, uh, has their act together, and uh, that's made them very successful. Uh, the fact that they have uh, online customer support 24 hours a day and, uh, and reasonable fees and uh, have been uh, through the dot-com boom and bust and succeeded, uh, and, and succeeded in those uh, environments and, and been able to survive and have a strong client base gives uh, every good reason for uh, anybody looking for a payment uh, for a merchant. A processing system um, that's easy to implement uh, should be considering uh, net billing for sure. So uh, with that said, um, uh, just a quick brief uh, update on some of the domain sales, because if you go to dnjournal.com, you'll see a pretty active week, uh, not only from us, but from uh, some of the other companies, After Nick and CDU and Snap Names that were mentioned on the show tonight. Um, but we ended up uh, winding up the auction from traffic and uh, completed the sales of consulting.com for 180 grand and um, we also sold medicine.org, uh, which is one of the highest uh, .org sales that we've been able to do uh, ever. I think it's actually the highest domain sale that we've done in .org, and it's one of the highest in the entire industry, um, which was uh, for $85,000. And um, that was a really good sale and um, processed a couple big portfolio sales uh, for um, you know well into the six figures as well. So, again, from the domain name sales standpoint and front, uh, things are very active, picking up quite a bit. There's a lot of people looking for for, for portfolios and domain names, and a lot of uh, sales going on. Our escrow business is uh, really um, um, really getting a lot busier over the last couple of weeks. A lot more transactions coming through for um, you know buyers and sellers wanting to look for a, a safe escrow um, um, solution for their domain names. Uh, so definitely come to moniker.com. Uh, to to the, do those domain transactions because we're the only solution that actually puts the domain name into escrow as well as the funds, unlike escrow.com, which only processes the funds part but relies on everybody else to change the ownership of the domain name, uh, which is this the owners and the buyers and the sellers. And um, next week, uh, we'll be live again. We'll be at Webmaster World uh, next week. Um, uh, we're on a on a domain panel, or I am, um, on the first day, and with uh, I'm stuck with four very reputable attorneys. But I'm on the on a panel with uh, with uh, the legal domain crew on the first day of Webmaster World next Tuesday, and uh, it should be a great show. If anybody's heading out to Las Vegas, make sure you come by the Moniker booth. Uh, we're giving away domain names, a, a Texas Hold'em table, uh, and um, uh, doing some other things while we're there as well. And we'll have some uh, live broadcasts along with. Uh, my great friends at webmasterradio.fm, uh, Brandy and Darren, uh, we're just out in ad tech this week, and I'm sure uh, if anybody hasn't tuned in to uh, some of the ad tech wrap-ups, uh, ad tech was very, very uh, good event. Um, we were unable to attend, unfortunately, because of uh, the hurricane aftermath here. Um, I personally just got back, got power back on Sunday, but um, um, Brandy and Darren uh, uh, have been uh, keeping me updated on the on the progress at AdTech and said it's just killer out there. So we're going to get a, maybe some updates on what's been going on at AdTech and, of course, from Webmaster World next week. 
With that said, have a great week. I'll see you next week, same time, only from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Be the master of your domain. I'll see you next week on Domain Masters. 